welcome to the Evoke Ag podcast, the show where we take a look at the ag tech and food innovations changing the future of farming. Hello and welcome to the Evoke Ag podcast. I'm your host, Steve Honor. This week, we bring you an interview with a young trailblazer and Evoke Ag 2020 future young leader, George Chapman. George was selected back in 2020 to be part of Evoke Ag's Future Young Leaders program, where he took to the stage at the Evoke Ag event in Melbourne to talk about the importance of soil health and share part of his regenerative agricultural journey. Originally from Korokai on the Northern Rivers, George now lives on the edge of the Nairobi National Park in Kenya at his family safari lodge and farm where he trains and educates Kenya's youth in organic and regenerative farming practices. George caught up with our VOCAG contributor, Megan Woodward, to share his experience from the Future Young Leaders Program and how it helped him expand his network and shape his agricultural journey. We hope you enjoy their conversation. And if you or someone you know would like to be a part of the VOCAG Future Young Leaders Program, head to avocag.com to find out more. Applications close this Sunday, 3rd of July. So joined today by George Chapman. He is one of our alumni from the Future Young Leader programs. And George, I would love for you to tell me where you are today, where you're joining us from, and if you could tell me the concern about the window in your office today as well for a bit of context. (laughs) So Megan, I'm sitting on um my bedroom window which is my office at the moment and i can see the edge of the nairobi national park so um yeah the, uh, my farm's um 22 acres on the edge of yeah the national park and the major concern i have talking to you today is that the window is wide open and the monkeys are definitely around <laughs> If only this wasn't just a podcast, we may have something extra to um, to draw people's attention to. <laughs> yeah. But George Chapman, you are incredibly interesting on your own right. You don't need monkeys coming in and out of the window to make you any more interesting. Tell me a little bit about your work in Kenya right now. So, yeah, I moved back over here in October. Um, my parents ran a safari lodge um, yeah, on the edge of the National Park and have been doing so since uh, well, they bought the property in 2009 and then it's sort of the tourism side really kicked off more like 2014. Um, so on the back of that, we, you know, we have a restaurant here and bring in guests from all over the world. And we thought, you know, what's the best way to feed these people the best food? And the obvious answer was to start a little shamba or vegetable garden. Um, and yeah, we, we, we did that and we thought, you know, um, being conventional farmers back in Australia, um, we're a bit more conscious now of, of you know, how things are changing. And I was more interested, you know, having finished my studies to really drive um, the organic or more so regenerative farming principles over here. You know, I was starting from clean slate and that's what we felt would would be the best way to to go about things. So we started the little farm at the back of the lodge. So it's on the same property. And it's really evolved from there. Um, we now have um, 2,200 broiler chickens on pasture. Um, 
farm certified organic um, and we're doing yeah like um, regenerative farming principles um, farming chickens laying hens and ducks and have now built a fairly large scale mushroom house and you know just evolving one step at a time it's a huge operation if I can take a few steps back you um, spoke about there the way you had farmed in Australia tell me a bit about your background from a farming point of view and a family point of view back here in Australia yes yeah, so home to me is definitely still um, in the northern rivers of New South Wales um, uh, just south of Lismore in a, near a town called Korakai which is probably well known now for the floods um, and it's quite devastating to see that all unravel this this year having been so far away from home um, you know, our farm was underwater for a couple of months. Um, but yeah, I grew up on, on a, on a tea tree plantation. Um, and yeah, like, uh, learnt, learnt the way of the land at a young age. Um, but I guess I was fortunate enough to travel a lot of the young age as well. And I guess as much as I was passionate about, um, farming and, and agriculture industry in Australia, having sort of this other side um, and having an upbringing in Africa really sort of shifts your focus a bit and it's a wild place over here and I guess I was attract, attracted to that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I decided to move over here and really drive the business here. Um, so it's a much smaller farm, but in saying that, things are a lot more intensive and um, employing 10 people now and the day-to-day -day is just chaotic but very very rewarding at the same time you know being able to employ local people giving them an opportunity that they really wouldn't otherwise have uh, it's, it, it makes you sort of feel responsible after after you sort of start the journey it's not one you want to give up on it's a huge diversity of experiences i'm interested to know um a little bit more about the broiler chickens that you were discussing before mm -hmm. i understand you've had a full processing plant delivered just in the last week. Tell me a bit about what that looks like. Yeah, so Megan, we started with, you know, I think 50 um, chickens back in 2016. And that was initially to supply the lodge. And and then we realised the Nairobi, because we're only, um, you know, as the crow flies probably, uh, 15 kilometres from Nairobi, which is a large city, capital of Kenya. Um, and although there's extreme poverty in Nairobi, you know, it's got Africa's largest slum, Kibera, which is home to an estimated, you know, 1.5 or 2 million people living in the size of Central Park. So there's that side of um, the city, but then there's also this incredible, you know, development happening. Um, and there's a rising middle class absolutely desperate to get their hands on high quality food. And it's interesting. It's kind of like what we've seen happen over Australia over the last probably 20 years. Um, this niche market grow, um, people wanting to know where their food's farmed, by, by whom, and, you know, provenance and transparency is really the key. Because we're on the doorstep of, of this, you know, massive city, um, we have a real advantage on showing people how their food's growing. And so the poultry side really just evolved from that. Um, we supply uh, a lady who started the online retail business um, doing 
direct-to-door deliveries uh, of of sort of Kenya's artisan producers. So, yeah, we supply her twice a week um, and literally it's just her business has gone through the roof. Um, she's really focused on sustainability. She delivers in electric vehicles. And so together with her, um, sort of just really um, innovated and built into this market, which is seems to be endless. Um, we literally can't keep up with with the demand. So that has pushed me to to invest in a processing facility, on-farm processing facility. And, you know, we're going from about processing 200 to 500 and but it really will just help us sort of get through that bottleneck of, of doing it all by hand, so to speak. Absolutely. It sounds like such an incredible fit, um, I guess, with your, your founding interest in regenerative um, agricultural practices, which is when, I guess, was one of the core things that led you to apply for the Future Leaders Program in a vocag for 2020. Talk me through that process, George, because we're really keen to hear from you what prompted you to actually apply and what that process looked like for you and what you got out of it. Yeah, that felt like um, a long time back now, pre-COVID days. I think I'd seen um, a friend who was involved in the Young Leaders Program and she'd done it the year before and it just looked like a great opportunity to sink my teeth into to something um, and sort of, uh, I guess, get a foot in the door in an industry which I was, you know, just graduating from university and so I applied and uploaded, I think it was a two-and-a-half, three-minute video and I thought, well, my passions around regenerative farming. Um, I just lived in uh, Cape Town in South Africa for almost two years and I'd managed to get incredible experience working with a regenerative farmer there in the Western Cape. And he was dealing with, I don't know if you remember the um, water crisis that was happening in South Africa back in 2017, 2018. Mm, yes. So he was, he was able to like push through that and I'm really confident to say that it was simply due to his his um, regenerative farming practices. You know, he'd been farming regeneratively for seven or eight years, and he'd he'd been able to increase his soil organic matter from one to eight percent in equivalent amount of time. So in doing so, he was really able to kind of. I mean, he wasn't thriving. He had to shut down parts of his business. His egg, egg operation, I think, almost shut down. He had to really destock. Don't get me wrong, but he was able to be a lot more resilient and sort of cling on, so to speak, through through that, that drought. So whilst his neighbouring, you know, the neighbouring farmers were just going bust. And so I was really new to this, um, you know, the generative farming concepts and I'd never really come across it before, even having studied agriculture in Australia. You know, I'd never really been introduced to these systems and these systems of thinking and honestly once I dove deeper and deeper into it just really made a lot of sense to me as an individual and someone coming new into the industry to sort of start to tackle the harder issues and so my video was around you know uh, I think it was focusing on soil health and why I think Australian farmers should before anything else really focus their attention on on the health of the soil and in turn will increase the 
health of the plants, health of the plants, health of the animal, healthy animals, healthy society. Um, so I did that video and got selected as a young leader and went down to Melbourne and gosh, I was very, very nervous doing that, <laughs> that talk in front of a large crowd, but it was a great opportunity. Would you please welcome to the stage the fantastic future young leader, George Chapman. So today I want to have a conversation about dirt. But before I start, I want to share my story. And it's one which has changed my perspective on agriculture. I'd love to know what George in 2022 makes of George in 2020 on that stage in front of all those people. This method is known as regenerative agriculture. And it's one which utilises rotational or mob grazing to improve soil health, increase plant diversity and pasture growth, and dramatically enhance the landscape's ecological functions. I believe this is critical to the future resilience of our industry. As right now, it is without doubt that we're facing major diabolical problems. As the country burns and temperatures rise, climate change is once again on the forefront of a national and global consciousness. Was it one of those moments where you felt like you really, I guess, you grew from it? It's, it's a cliche, but was it an opportunity that changed the way that, I guess, you held yourself and you discussed things with industry and cemented your belief in what you were talking about? No, that's an excellent question, Megan, because, you know, that only, what, two, over about two years ago, you know, you're finishing, and I could probably speak on behalf of a lot of young Australian ag graduates at the moment, you're coming out of, you know, which is a long build-up, three or four years of grinding the books, but it doesn't really feel real compared to what's going on in the industry. Sure, we're doing the farm visits and connecting with the industry in many different ways through our studies, but, um, yeah, George back then was um, probably a little bit naive, um, a lot less confident, and the Evoke Ag opportunity, although it was a mere four minutes on stage, gosh, it's um, just a real confidence booster. And then being able to network with um, you know leaders across Australia is is incredible. And um, I just you know I guess I count myself grateful to have that experience, and um, also just to sort of see what's going on, um, not just for farming, but, you know, in the food tech scene, um, how accessing global markets it covered all, all topics in only, I think I was only there for two days, but it was a real deep dive into to a lot of interesting things happening. Absolutely. And in that two days, did you make connections that you still have today? Yeah, look, I, I did, um, I guess the Young Leaders Programme you know, they'll bring in um, some of them students, others, um, you know, young professionals across from all over Australia. And I guess it's really, it was a good opportunity to rub shoulders with people who are somewhat uh, like-minded. Um, I'd known George Stacey, who was also a young leader in, so we're talking 2019, and I'd known him from rugby in Brisbane, Um but he was more in my brother's team. So I didn't quite know him on a personal level. But then he'd also sort of, um, you know, entered the world of regenerative farming and he'd taken up an opportunity with uh, RCS, a rural consulting service, I believe, 
uh, they're based out of Yapoon. So mm. being able to sort of um, chat to George about his interest in regenerative farming and his experiences with graziers up in North Queensland was was really interesting. Um, yeah, and we've kept in touch and he shared resources, um, not so much over the last year, but um, prior to that, yeah, it's really it's really been good to to be exposed to RCS and seeing the amazing stuff and the success story they've been over the last, I forget when they were founded, but 20 or 30 years ago, I think. Yeah, still a relatively recent success story, what they've been able to build in that amount of time. If there was someone that was sitting on the fence and thinking, oh, I've seen the application situation pop up, I don't think I'm quite ready or I need a bit more experience here or there or I don't know if I'm confident enough yet, but they've got a burning thing that they know is going to push them in this ag space, what would your message to them be about applying for the for the leaders program? Um, I guess I probably had the same thoughts, but honestly, there's nothing to lose. And by doing these applications or um, sort of honing in on, on, on your communication skills is very, very important. I think communication um, is, yeah, probably one of the most overlooked things um, for young professionals. And as long as you can communicate or have a crack at it, um, just boost your confidence. The, the Lots of opportunities will open and that's what the ag industry is about. You know, it sounds cliche, but just have a crack and, you know, employers really, really uh, recognise that. You know, I don't think any of my employees secretly, Megan, really had a look at my CV. <laughs> it's more about just, you know, opening up, giving your thoughts. And I think, you know, young young um, graduates, uh, people are ready to listen to them as well. Um, you know, we're in a rapidly evolving time, not just in agriculture, across all sectors and I think young people have a lot to bring to the table and they can learn a lot from um, from older generations as well. Absolutely. And I would love to know before we let you go and start your day, George, what's been, if there's one thing that you could pinpoint as being the greatest thing you got out of the program and the experience, what would it be? Uh, I guess... Just um, feeling a part of a young network um, and having that connection is really quite powerful and, you know, it opens up conversations that you wouldn't have really considered. I remember being interviewed by um, by Generation Ag, I believe is the name of their podcast, and um, after doing that, I was just, yeah, been listening to their podcast ever since and... Podcast is a great medium to, to learn and, you know, I'm not actually a big reader myself, so I listen to all these podcasts and you can, um, yeah, it's a great way to absorb information. But, yeah, just the network you're exposed to and um, I guess um, sort of testing your own thoughts in a, in a rapidly evolving industry, as I said, is quite important and, yeah. So there was a lot to gain from it, and I definitely encourage applying. Um, even if you don't get selected, the whole process of um, of putting together a video is quite quite fun, challenging. I think I did like fifty different takes. <laughs> <laughs> I got there. You got there. 
Look, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today, George. I'm sure there is a young emerging leader who's listening to this right now in their own podcast, uh, Listening Habits, who's going to remember the name George Chapman and hopefully throw their hat in the ring. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thanks for your time, Megan. That was George Chapman, a 2020 future young leader speaking with our VOCAG contributor, Megan Woodward. And if you're interested or you know someone who would like to be part of the Evoke Ag Future Young Leaders Program, head to evokeag.com to find out more. Applications close this Sunday, the 3rd of July. Thanks for listening today. My name is Steve Honor, and until next time, have a great day.